0: we are back we are doing it again we're doing it again doing it again we are mark's madness we read books uh today and forever and for always and and for as far as you can tell since the the start of linear time the book we're reading is black (laughs) reconstruction in america yes Um, yes we start that book on page 372 at the top now you may be going now now nathan and david wait a minute you ended the book uh, at like halfway through page three seventy one. What happened?
1: You know what happened. There were charts and graphs, and we don't do charts and graphs on this show. We don't. We don't do charts and graphs. There's there's big numbers. We do do current events. Were we gonna skip current events? Yes, I was because I didn't want to talk about them. Fine, talk about current events. Mm, mm. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. there's actually not too many current events I want to talk about uh, Got I on. just wanted to mention, and I have no idea how dated this will be when it comes out because I don't remember how to track the weeks this is coming out It's probably three weeks ahead uh but there is elections yep. in Ecuador and uh those elections have gone for the most part pretty well um now a dream scenario would be you know um uh,
0: Lenin rises from the grave and takes over as no. Edward's first Russian gotta,
1: zombie you gotta president. Yes. you got to be careful with that, because the, the president currently is Lenin Moreno, who has stolen Lenin's uh, wonderful twitter handle um and and ruined it uh and so Lena moreno who took over in 2017 he was a, a successor to carlos correa and he supposedly was going to express the same leftist policies they were very very popular and then the second came into power it was oh no i'm a very right-wing white imf baby surprise and this was after being correa's like vice president and everything this was this was like yeltsin with no need to wait for a Soviet Union to collapse to a, a slightly lesser degree down in Central America. Um, and so, I mean, things not been going well. It's just economic destruction in the name of U.S. profits. And there were two major people, and they're going to wind up in a runoff. Uh, there's, uh, Andres Aras, who is the, the new successor in, in that line. It wasn't, I mean, in Lenin Moreno's, but, but again, you know, politically sits like, Chauvinism is is what you know. Some people call it because always just got to name it after the first person in that country that does <laughs> the first it. First person that does it. Yeah, uh, but again, you know, same kind of leftist politics. And then there's uh, Guillermo Lasso, who would continue the rightward turn even more extremely than Lena Moreno and just gut the country more. And uh, of course, you know, with the, the the people that were made rich under Lena Moreno, they all live. Uh, around quito um in uh, uh pichincha um the whole little province there around the capital because that's where all the money is so that's that's the only region joke. all the money is... all the
0: money no carbs hi it's a <laughs> keto joke
1: ladies and gentlemen i've got one <laughs> but anyway um you know so so that's his, his base of support uh whereas you know most of the country is going to support um us who Hopefully he's winning and he's, he's winning now, but it's going to come down to a runoff.
0: This has been South American current events with David, (laughs) David. No, seriously (laughs)
1: though. Anything, anything else, anything else percolating? (laughs) Uh, No, that's it. That's, that's all I've got for current events. That's percolating. Um, on the top so i'm sure there's okay. there's more there's always more and it's good to keep up with there's
0: always more but we are not ostensibly a current event that's podcast coming so to we mind. try and, we try and keep it to the hits and uh and leave yeah. the rest of it to to more specialized people um yeah. because our speciality is reading a book and, and that's we're what we're gonna, we gonna keep keep do. doing that's what we gonna do so to summarize the big chart that we're not gonna read there was a vote <laughs> to have a constitutional convention the eyes have it i've saved you half a page you're welcome um at first the planters thought to defeat reconstruction by refusing to vote and thus making the whole experiment a failure at the very start that bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays <laughs> off
1: speaking of color revolutions <laughs> election fraud <laughs> i refuse to vote
0: <laughs> yeah uh many leading whites small in total number but large in influence and in former wealth and power were disenfranchised perhaps two hundred thousand in all On the other hand, the poor whites must have voted widely, especially when we note the large white vote in most of the states, despite war, mortality, abstentions, and disabilities. It is probable that in 1868, not only did Negroes vote freely, but more poor whites than ever before exercised the franchise. Democracy for the first time in at least a century succeeded oligarchy in the South. The voting of nearly three-fourths of a million Negroes was especially significant and represented a very large proportion of perhaps a million eligible black voters. The elections which reconstructed the South under the congressional plan were fair and honest elections, and probably never before were such democratic elections held in the South and never since such fair elections. (laughs) Indeed, as a special champion – yeah, I know. I keep reading that and just imagining someone going, until Stacey Abrams came along and freed us all. I'm sorry. It's just my brain's broken, and that's what I hear. Um Indeed, as a special champion of the South says, it would be hard to deny that so far as the ordinary civil administration was concerned, the rule of the generals was as just and efficient as it was far-reaching. Criticism and denunciation of their acts were bitter and continuous, but no very profound research is necessary in order to discover that the animus of these attacks was chiefly political." As a result of the elections, cons- constitutional conventions were decided on in all southern states, and the following number of members of the conventions were elected. Guys, they elected people to the conventions. Yeah. I saved you another half a page.
1: Yeah. Well, um, here's here's the interesting thing. It Now, only oh, two of these do- states even had half black delegates. But of all these yeah. southern states, and Texas was the worst. It had 10% black delegates. It was 9 out of 81 um but that said south carolina actually had a majority black delegates and louisiana was 61 exi- and louisiana was exactly at half and even even and that makes sense that makes sense knowing what we know about south
0: carolina as as a as a state and as their demographics work and especially as we know a little bit about reconstruction as to how reconstruction's going to go well, yeah because wasn't it was that
1: more- where uh sherman was uh redistributing the land mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. that's part of it yes um But we will get to that as we go. But yes, people were elected. There were white delegates. There were black delegates, delegates all around.
1: Yeah. And Du Bois is making it clear. These were the the good ones, because in spite of all the bullshit you hear about, the overreach of big government, all that is political crap. and, And the generals made things more fair.
0: As these conventions were being voted on, the presidential election approached. The campaign began in May 1868. The Republican National Platform did not dare to stand squarely for Negro suffrage, but evolved this illogical compromise. The guarantee of Congress of equal suffrage to all loyal men at the South was demanded by every consideration of public safety, of gratitude, and of justice, and must be maintained. While the question of suffrage in all the loyal states properly belongs to the people of these states, Grant and Colfax were nominated. Colfax declared that peace had been prevented by executive opposition and by refusals to accept any plan of reconstruction proffered by Congress, justice and public safety at last combined to teach us that only by an enlargement of suffrage in those states could the desired end be attained and that it was even more safe to give the ballot to those who loved the union than to those who had sought ineffectually to destroy it. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. No, there's no, no. Where's the lie? Yeah. Like Makes perfect sense. In 1865 to 1868, the Democratic Party controlled from 44% to 50% of the voters in the North. So that if white people of the South had been included, undoubtedly the Democratic Party would have been in the majority. But the exclusion of the South, the Democratic part, by the exclusion of the South, sorry, the Democratic Party had been beaten in 1866 and in 1867, had carried only Maryland, Kentucky, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and California. Nevertheless, on the whole, the Democratic vote increased as compared with the Republican. The elections of 1867 made it clear that if the Democrats won in 1868, the entire system of Reconstruction would be changed. The business elements of the North, therefore, while not willing to follow abolition democracy to the extreme, were even less willing to put Reconstruction entirely in the hands of Southerners. Congress, therefore, prepared to clinch its political hold on the South and reconstruct Southern states on a basis of Negro suffrage. While then, the conservative and commercial elements in the North went into the Republican Party. On the other hand, former Democrats began to return to the Democratic Party, where they were received with more or less suspicion. Meetings began to be held by the Democratic leaders to determine candidates and procedure. On Jackson Day – oh, man, glad what we got rid of that – January Jackson 8th, 1868. <laughs> I Man, I assume that we just lumped it in with President's Day. January 8th, <laughs> I don't know, that may be President's Day. Or sure. no, we're coming up on that one. I don't know. Um, some bullshit holiday. A meeting was held in Washington at which President Johnson spoke and many Democratic leaders. The meeting was dominated by the War Democrats rather than by Copperheads, and emphasis was laid upon cooperation between the War Democrats and the Johnson administration on the one hand and the Democratic organization on the other. New measures and new men were sought. August Belmont, the banker, was chairman of the National Committee. New York was chosen as the seat of the convention, and a general invitation was issued to former Democrats. The New York Herald enumerated the elements of the new democracy. Merchants who opposed the protective tariff, the unemployed, the foreign-born, the Catholics, the women opposed to Negro suffrage, Mm. Uh, the opponents of military control in the South. Many papers warned the pro-Southern elements of the Democratic Party not to oppose the loyal sentiment in the nation. The Springfield Republican, July 1st, mentioned the mere stupid, causeless, aimless hatred of the Negro in the Democratic Party.
1: David, take it away. The opposition of the Democrats to Negro suffrage was not clearly expressed. Evidently, the tide in favor of a democracy had risen so high in the country that as a party, the Democrats did not dare oppose it. The party, therefore, would not come out flatly in opposition to Negro suffrage, but simply declared that suffrage was a question to be settled by the states. States state uh, rights. States <laughs> rights! 22 state Democratic conventions were held in 1868. 11 of these opposed Negro suffrage anywhere. Only... Only the Convention of South Carolina in April approved it. Ten other conventions either were silent on the subject or announced their belief that this was a matter of state control. The various state platforms illustrated local northern thought. California Democrats declared that they now and always confide in the intelligence, patriotism, and discriminating justice of the white people of the country to administer and control their government without the aid of either Negroes or Chinese. Now, that is not what they meant by discriminating justice, but oh my god, is that an uh, apropos play on words right there. Um, The Democrats of Washington agreed with California in opposing the extension of elective franchise to Negroes. Indians, and Chinese. The Ohio Democrats declared the attempt to regulate suffrage in Ohio was subversive of the federal constitution. The Democrats of Pennsylvania were opposed to conferring upon the Negro the right to vote. Most of the Republican conventions approved the fifteenth Amendment. A minority reported the Virginia Conservatives called for white control and said we call upon white men, whether native or adapted citizens, to vote down the Constitution and thereby save themselves and their posterity from negro suffrage, negro office holding, and its legitimate consequence, Negro social equality. Just come out and bum, say bum, it. Bum. Dun, dun, dun. What if they start voting and getting in an office they could become equal. We don't want that. Say miscegenation. Uh, Say what you mean. <laughs> uh, this was a time of changing of political allegiance. The Johnson movement collapsed. Conservative Republicans like Fessenden and Trumbull united with the Re- Republicans. Oh, okay. So they—they they, I was like Republicans united with Republicans, but they're—they're they're not pushing the Johnson line. They're just. Falling in with Republicans. Seward, McCulloch, and Wells, former supporters of Lincoln, stood staunchly by President Johnson. Other Republicans like Blairs, Doolittle, and Chase drifted towards the Democrats. But the Democratic Party, by its action during the campaign, repelled many of the conservatives on account of its attitude on money and its radical attitude on Reconstruction. State and local elections in the spring of 1868 encouraged the Democrats. The Republican vote was reduced in New Hampshire. In Michigan, Negro suffrage was defeated by a vote of 110,000 to 71,000, and the Democrats triumphed in Connecticut. Before the war, Salmon P. Chase was a prominent abolitionist and after the war, a radical Republican. He advocated Negro suffrage and in May 1865 made two trips to the South to investigate the position of the Negro in charleston he spoke of the negroes and urged them to deserve the suffrage even if they did not get it on the other hand chase did not like the military governments of the south and favored states rights against the increased power of the federal government hey both sides are bad nathan both sides are bad that's right just 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 opposed to big government he said once while we freed the negro we enslaved ourselves god damn it this is supposed to be the radical republican uh pardon sir Becoming Chief Justice, he presided at Johnson's impeachment and favored Johnson possibly on account of his dislike of Benjamin F. Wade of Ohio. Wade would have become president if Johnson hadn't been impeached or had been impeached. Chase's daughter, Kate, was said to have made a very, some fiery declarations at the idea of that horrid Ben Wade being put over my father. For, the, for his stand in this trial, he was made practically red out of the Republican Party and became a formidable candidate for the Democratic nomination. Now, again, this was a prominent abolitionist turned radical Republican, and as you can see, this is his right word, word turn, and that can happen to people. But from the sound of that, I feel like this is more of a case of if you being mean to me turned you into a, me into a Nazi, then I was already a Nazi, like one of those things. you know. Um, the Chase supporters had headquarters in New York, and his daughter was there in person. It was suggested that Chase should declare Reconstruction Acts unconstitutional, as the Supreme Court would probably decide. This statement, of course, Chase could not make, and he had to warn his daughter against too great activity. A small group of some 20 Negroes assisted the Chase movement and argued that Chase would carry many Southern Negro votes. After long deadlock, Seymour of New York and the former Copperhead governor of the draft riot fame was nominated chiefly because he failed to swing his followers to Chase, as he had promised. So apparently, Chase, again, Chase was not radical enough and basically lost everyone to the Democrats and the Copperhead one. That's what I understood that as. That tracks for me. Yeah. Gotta love, you know, <laughs> meet, meat appeal to the middle. It never, ever, but always fails. Um, Yeah, Yeah, it's a complete failure every time it's ever been tried. But maybe this time
0: it'll work for us.
1: Mm -hmm. The platform of the convention recognized slavery and secession as closed questions. It demanded the immediate restoration of all states, amnesty for all political offenses, and the regulation of suffrage in the states by their citizens. It asked for the abolition of the Freedmen's Bureau and all agencies of Negro supremacy. (sighs) Negro supremacy. Jesus Christ. It said that the Republicans, instead of restoring the union, had dissolved it, subject 10 states— to military despotism and Negro supremacy and that the corruption of the radical party had been unprecedented again. And this is what you're always going to see in any kind of revolutionary stance. This is another reminder that burr authoritarianism bad, you know, or, or, Oh my God, they have a protest. They must be good. Or listen to, listen to people from blah region. You know, these are not, not foolproof stances. Right, It's a matter of what people stand for because these people that are going to be dispossessed of nothing more than lording over others in a bigoted fashion are going to feel oppressed and position themselves as oppressed and never stop screaming. Uh, The New York Herald called Seymour the embodiment of Copperheadism. Greeley declared that Seymour had proposed resisting secession by force, had declared that if the union could only be maintained by abolishing slavery, then the union should be given up had given grudging support to the government while the war governor, and had opposed the draft. New, the New York Sun said that he represented fairly the average sentiment of his party. Seymour accepted the platform but did not discuss it in detail. He attacked Congressional Reconstruction but pointed out that no violent change could take place since the Republicans would continue to control the Senate. Frederick Douglass, writing in The Independent, August twentieth, 1868, said Seymour's letter of acceptance was smooth as oil and as fair seeming as hypocrisy itself, containing every disposition to deceive, but without the ability. It was cunning and cowardly. (laughs) Thank you, Frederick Douglass. Without (laughs) the ability. I just love that. Yeah. Not mincing words. Seymour made no reference to finance or suffrage.
0: Blair, the Democratic candidate for vice president, was a wild Missourian given to drink. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll (laughs) happen. Too many of those. He fits in in well with. No wonder he fits in with Johnson just fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who openly advocated that the new president disperse the carpetbag governments by force as soon as his party triumphed. President Johnson was disgusted and chagrined at not receiving the nomination. Oh, I forget Johnson didn't get the nomination. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you silly goose. Um, and said that Seymour had not lifted a finger to sustain his administration. In the campaign, he was finally induced to give some support to the Democratic ticket. Seymour, on the other hand, practically offered Johnson an appointment appointment If he should be elected, Seward took little part in the campaign, although he spoke once for the Republican ticket and included praise for President Johnson. Thus, the campaign started with contradictions inside the Democratic Party. Seymour opposed the greenback idea before the National Convention and then ran on a platform that advocated it. Blair advocated revolution. Oh, okay. Hampton opposed Negro suffrage and appealed to Negro voters. That's a bold stance. Uh, Chase asked universal suffrage and remanded the question to the states. There were charges that the Democrats proposed to repudiate the national debt and pay for emancipated slaves and property lost during the war. Southern Democrats were prominent. Tooms Coom and Fort Cobb not Coom who's Coom Tooms Cobb and Forest took part the New York Nation said that these Southerners were more of service to the Republicans than all of their orators and literature. <laughs> Many of them were accused of incendiary speeches. Vance of North Carolina was accused of saying that Seymour and Blair would win what the Confederates fought for. Hill of Georgia declared that the South was going to regulate its own internal Democratic affairs in its own way. Well, you lost the right to do that. You mm-hmm. know, I think you forgot. Toombs declared that if the Democrats were victorious, the Reconstruction governor and legislatures would be made to vacate at once. Hal Cobb and those in control of the Southern states would be ousted. While Albert Pike of Arkansas wrote in the Memphis Appeal, "The day will come when the South will be independent." Oh I God! Think you just fought a war about that and you lost. <laughs> Violence and intimidation were widespread in the South during this election. Bribery and fraud were prevalent in the North. In Philadelphia, Supreme Court Justice issued over five thousand naturalization papers within two weeks. The nation, November 12th, charged that Georgia and Louisiana were carried by organizational assassination, organized assassination, and New Jersey and New York by fraud. The Democratic majority of 165 in Oregon was due, it is said, to voters bought it, brought in from neighboring states. Oh, they're busting in voters. Oh are no. in voters. Late in October, there was a movement to get Seymour to withdraw and substitute Chase or Johnson. The New York world led the movement, but nothing came of it. Grant was elected by 214 electoral votes to 80 for Seymour and 3 million to 2 million popular votes. Thus, Grant received 52.71%. Seymour carried Delaware, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, and Oregon, Virginia, Mississippi, and Texas did not vote. During this campaign, Negro suffrage was defeated in Missouri by uh, 75 to 55 because we're just bad. We're just bad. Um, Yep in minnesota it was carried Hey, minnesota York. Hey. in nevada it was carried by the republican legislature at christmas 1868 president johnson proclaimed general amnesty pardoning every person engaged directly or indirectly in the rebellion ah uh, oh, good thanks that's a great parting gift president johnson that's a good last shot hey yeah. everybody you're all free his last presidential message was an interesting and rather curious argument he declared, in effect, that the dictatorship of labor attempted in the South under the Reconstruction acts had led to corruption and bloodshed and therefore prevented the rise of industry in the South, which was the real solution of the race problem. He believed that the bondholders had already received an amount larger than the principal which they owed, and that hereafter the interest paid should be applied to the reduction of that principle. That is a belabored belabored metaphor that doesn't even hold like th- that yeah. th- is that assumption that the people in the south have already had their restitution paid and that we shouldn't have to be paying them anymore yes, yes, like that's exactly mm, what no.
1: that, that is saying no. yeah
0: Johnson thus illustrated again the way in which the color problem became the blind spot of American political and social development and made logical argument almost impossible. The only power to curtail the rising empire of finance in the United States was industrial democracy, votes and intelligence in the hands of the laboring class, black and white, north and south. The chief act of the third session of the 40th Congress was the 15th Amendment. Early in 1867, two amendments on the suffrage were introduced, one which prohibited any color distinction and the other requiring $250 property qualification or an additional tax. The victory of the Republican Party in 1868 made the passage of the 15th Amendment paramount. In 1868, 11 amendments were introduced to extend the right of suffrage to the freedmen. Of these amendments, seven were presented in the House and four in the Senate. All except one of these referred to the committee were were referred to the Committee on the Judiciary in each House. The House Committee on the Judiciary referred reported on June eleventh, eighteen sixty nine, a proposed Fifteenth Amendment. This caused long debate in the House and many proposed modifications. Among the propositions that was that no educational attainment or possession of property should be made the test of any citizen's right to vote. I was that. I heartily agree the resolution proposed by the committee with the minor change was passed by the house by a vote of 150 to 42 January 30th 1869 Mm -hmm. meantime the Senate had been discussing similar proposition and many modifications had been proposed January 30th on reception of the house amendment the Senate discussed it eight other amendments were offered and some 15 substitute propositions. Finally, a substitute suggested by Wilson was adopted by a vote of thirty-one twenty-seven. It read: "No discrimination shall be made in any state among the citizens of the United States in the exercise of the elective franchise or in the right to hold office in any state on account of race, color, nativity, property, education, or religious creed." I do not know why the baby Jesus got
1: involved there, but um, <laughs> I think you that know. means when you were born. But yeah, I'm feeling um, a very, very manger vibe from that.
0: Yeah, I was about to say the, the baby <laughs> Jesus is there. This was. Amended so as to ensure Congress power to direct the manner in which the election should be conducted, and thus the Senate agreed to the House proposition with amendments. The House refused to concur, and the Senate declined
1: to recede, and the measure failed. David. Oh, all right. Thereupon, February 17th, 1869, the Senate resumed consideration of its own resolution. Eleven amendments were proposed and rejected. Finally, the 15th Amendment was passed 35 to 11 in its present form, except that the words to hold office were added after the right to vote. February 2nd, the House, February 2nd, February 20th. Sorry, my reading's all thrown off because I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, we three votes of Orientar because that damn Christmas joke. God dang it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, February 20th, the House considered this proposal and there were five attempts to amend it, of which one was successful and added nativity, god damn it, property and creed (laughs) (laughs) to the other qualifications. It then passed the House 140 to thirty seven. The Senate rejected the House amendment and asked for conference. Finally, the present 15th Amendment was agreed upon and it passed the House 145 to 44, the Senate 39 to 13. It was thus recommended to the states february 26, 1869. Some Americans think and say that the nation freed the black slave and gave him a vote and that, unable to use it intelligently, he lost it. That is not so. To win the war, America freed the slave and armed him and the threat to arm the mass of the black worker of the Confederacy stopped the war. Nor does this fact for a moment deny that some prophets and martyrs demanded first and last the abolition of slavery as the sole object of the war and at any cost of life and wealth. So, too, some Americans demanded not simply physical freedom, but votes, land, and education for the blacks, not only in order to Encompass the economic emancipation of labor, but also as the only fulfillment of American democratic ideals. But most Americans used the Negro to defend their own economic interests, and refusing him adequate land and real education and even common justice, deserted him shamelessly as soon as their selfish interests were safe. Sounds incredibly American. Nor does this for yep. a moment deny that the unselfish and far-seeing Americans, poor as well as rich, by supplying public schools when the Negroes demanded them and establishing higher schools to train teachers, saved the Negro from being entirely re-enslaved or exterminated in an unequal and cowardly re- renewal of war. And then we end the uh, chapter on a poem by James Jeffrey Roche that goes, We are the hewers and delvers who t- toil for another's gain. The common clods and the rabble, stunted of brow and brain. What do we want, the gleaners of the harvest we have reaped? What do we want, the neuters of the honey we have heaped? What matter if king or consul or president holds the reign? If crime and poverty ever be links in the bondman's chain? What careth the burden bearer that liberty packed his load? If hunger presseth beneath him with a sharp and ready goad?
0: And I, I want to say that we are we're, we're just going to plow through and continue into the next chapter but we're not <laughs> going to do that because th- that th- we we finished a chapter
1: guys yeah that's what we, we, do. Finished. we finished chapters we, we we you get a half episode because we finished a chapter and that's what we do we it's don't, not we don't. a half episode it's, it's like an ep- it's
0: it's it's a three quarters episode mm, okay Fine. you get a half episode you get a half episode this week okay you know what have we ever missed a wednesday have we ever not have we ever not been here for you no, no and so, honestly
1: honestly i do want to discuss the end of that chapter a little bit so they're going to get i do too actually i was just about to say
0: it's going to be a three-quarters episode because we i I do want to kind of discuss what we just went through
1: yeah yeah i mean we not only do we go through the and again this is how it reads the process of the 15th amendment but we're reading this for the purposes of theory for understanding our struggle today and for understanding how to take it forward and the last part i think is really really key right where i want to go back and reread um Let's see, but most Americans use the Negro to defend their own economic interest, and refusing him adequate land and real education, and even common justice, deserted him shamelessly, shamelessly as soon as their selfish interests were safe. Now, again, this is this is American history. I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. an entire country, an entire subtler colonial structure built on oppression, on colonialism and imperialism and unselfishness, because that's what those run on. That's the only thing those run on. And when you really look at it, right, you look at how many times this country can can have its ideals, can have its good and bad people, can have workers have more power than you think at, at moments in this country's history. And yet, it all falls back apart. Because the real toiler, right, and this, this really strikes down why we're not class reductionists, why we understand that it's all types of marginalization. It's, it's all struggles for liberation um, because the real toilers are black and indigenous uh, people, most especially, you know, any people of color, especially black and indigenous people. And, you know, this is the primary struggle here because every time there's some chance for liberation for, you know, a real true democracy. I mean, we, we don't fall for the, the bourgeoisie idea of just vote and democracy and da-da-da, but we understand socialism is good because it's a truly democratic system. You know, anytime and there's any real people's power, any democracy, any real liberation, right? As soon as there's a chance to give land back to indigenous people or to truly liberate, uh, you know, black people and, and put them on actual equal footing and an actual control. As, as soon as there's any autonomy to one of those two groups, it all falls apart. Yep. This country always, always falls back on that. And that doesn't mean we should stop trying, but that means that in our struggle, we need to understand that the ultimate hurdle to get over—the only way anything is done—is if we get over that hump. If we deliver on that, if we deliver on land back, if we deliver on true autonomy and self-determination of Black people, which again, you know, ties back to land back because of of the uh, um, oh, what do they call it? the Black Belt theory with with the uh, Black Nation of New Africa. You know, it's all going to come back to that, and so we cannot liberate anyone until we liberate everyone. Yep. And and I don't want to take too many reins. You wanted to to, to sift the, simmer on this a little bit too, Nathan.
0: No, I mean more just kind of the overarching of what this chapter was, and mm. that this chapter was again the culmination of of what happens when you when you have no no theory grounding what you're trying to do. When you have no ideology actually grounding what you're trying to do, you end up with a bunch of half measures that don't really amount to anything. And that feels like what was trying to be attempted here is that at every step of the way you had a party that should have had ostensibly complete control to dictate their terms um, in the Republican party. And yet because that party was, was divided and not, uh, unified behind any sort of one guiding ideology, it whiffed and wafted and, and hemmed and hawed, and and you end up with these half measures that don't really address the root of the problem. And we're going to see what that leads to as we go on here. Um, but but we know for a fact that not taking decisive action in Reconstruction is the the pure fail is the failure of Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. The the failure is not. Oh, we attempted to give black people autonomy and it went wrong and they weren't ready for it. The failure of reconstruction was the lack of decisive action, was the lack of, mm-hmm. of anything that really addressed the root causes. And this chapter is nothing, if not a, a run on of why didn't we address the root causes? How many committee meetings were had and how many things were had and how many speeches did Thaddeus and, and Charles Sumner have to give? Um, that, that that got reduced down and reduced down and reduced down, and then you just ran into the obstinance of of Andrew Johnson, and mm-hmm. and frankly that slowed it down as much as anything. I mean, again, we get caught up in an impeachment proceeding when we should be, again, dealing with real material things that are affecting people in the South. And that, I mean, if that doesn't ring true to you right now, I I don't know what does. Well, I mean, again, we're in the middle of impeachment proceedings.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we went through the whole thing and talked about. I mean, it was a real party that was really left and actually had their shit together and was actually pushing back against the other party and was standing up for themselves it was the most radical people we've ever had in in congress it was a heated moment where that party had true power and they were exercising authoritarianism um, to actually push things through it was the most radical the most potential if through the bourgeoisie democracy through the of colonial structures we were ever going to liberate anyone it was the most potential that we've ever had the the, the dry powder was yeah. there and 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 we've never had a bigger powder keg um and and we could not light it um and so it we tells you we had the moment we had everything Hmm. and so it tells you a few things it tells you uh that if the people who liberate and always liberate themselves—black people liberated themselves in the Civil War. The people who always liberate themselves—if they are not at the forefront, leading with the vanguard, um, straight out of the people, right—the—you it, it, the, know, nothing's going to get accomplished if we try to go through these bourgeois democracy systems. Nothing's going to get accomplished, and any party that is going to try to be radical—they're not unified. I mean, look at how many little party breakdowns and how much. You know, a, a couple individuals could completely derail everything from a radical party. And we're we're not proponents of great man theory. We understand that this stuff is, is, is you know, mass movements. Um, you know, I mean, we fully, fully understand as materials. But even as materialists, we understand that at certain time periods with the opportunity, people shine and make important decisions that, that make history. There are people that because of the circumstances they're thrown into are more important to history than others, not because they're special people, not because – they They do that regardless of the situations they don't create the situations, but they're thrown into it, and what decisions they make and what ideologies they have matter a lot and having the wrong people- a few of the wrong people in the wrong place just shattered everything i mean just miserably shattered everything, and that speaks to the importance uh, of the existence of um, you know, another tenet and a and reason Marxist Leninism is so appealing to, you know, black Americans uh, and that's, you know, democratic centralism and and look how harsh things were without it and what that did to black liberation. Yeah.
0: That is all I've got on on this chapter
1: and and. Uh, David, do you have anything else? Any any other closing no. thoughts on chapter no. nine? I mean this is an excellent book and an important book and an excellent chapter and an important chapter. And I think we try to do a little summarization where we try to tie back sometimes it's like you know, like I was talking about where, you know, we can't liberate workers without without black liberation and, and that's the real struggle when we talk about the proletariat versus the, the oppressing bourgeoisie, and while that's very real, you can see the, the you know, truest, most, most pure oppression in American existence is this this anti black oppression, and yet we're doing that to summarize to keep people up with it because sometimes you can get lost reading a book. But I think we're stopping and commenting enough that our summaries are, are, are helping and trying to help. But nothing is doing that justice more than the book itself, and I'm really glad we're reading no. it because that chapter really brought a lot of that up.
0: Also, uh, the last the thing we will leave you with then for next week is the the teaser for. For the start of our next chapter next week, we are getting to chapter 10, the black proletariat in South Carolina. That is an exciting damn chapter title. How in the years from 1868 to 1876 in a state where blacks outnumbered whites, the will of the mass black labor modified by their own and other leaders and dimmed by ignorance and experience and uncertainty dictated the form and methods of government.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Guys, it's gonna be a good chapter next week. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 ready to get into it. Um, that being said, uh, if you wanted to get into it with us, um, man, that was a bad transition. But it's it's as good as I'm gonna get for this week. I'm I'm dying, guys.
1: Um, that's better than my, my belated Christmas joke, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, to correspond with us and maybe say, hey, I'm upset that you didn't give me my extra 10 minutes this week, you can do that. You can uh, uh, accost us on the emails, marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. That's marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, and feel free to send us an email there. Let's say you wanted to get at us uh, in a short tweet format you can do that we're on twitter it's at marks madness pod on twitter we mostly just tweet out the episode links because i try and stay away from the hell site and david has his own personal account for that sort of shenanigans but we're there um you know if you want to if you want to follow us a lot of people have we we picked up a bunch of followers this week for some reason can't figure out why um but welcome we're glad to have you um (laughs) beyond that if you wanted a more personal kind of day-to-day interaction with us you could join our discord uh in our uh discord we we just are hanging out by we i do mean me because david david again shows up like a absentee parent figure um who pops in for christmas and birthdays angels in the outfield
1: nathan angels in the outfield.
0: very angels in the outfield dad very rides off on his motorcycle into the sunset until the angels win the pennant um But in the meantime, Nathan is there and he's holding down the fort playing Final Fantasy XIV. Um, mostly just playing Final Fantasy XIV, actually. But, but beyond that, we talk, we chat, we have other things. There's a book club going on where, uh, the group chat is reading Black Shirts and Reds. Um, there, there's just a lot of, a lot of good things going on. It's a good place to be. And I'd highly recommend joining if you are interested in having a group of comrades to talk to on a day to day basis. That being said, David, I think it's Disclaimer Week. I'm not sure, but do you want to disclaim us just in case? We're just doing this every week now, I
1: think. That's okay. We're
0: just filling for time. At this point, we're just filling for time, so you might as well.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, um, obviously, you know, me and Nathan started this podcast just wanting to read at the time capital uh, with each other and have some kind of reading group, and we figured it'd be nice if it was more than two people, so we'll record it and see what happens. And we saw what happened, and we're glad that we can partake in these these uh, works of theories in this reading discussion with you. Hopefully, you are in a party uh, or some kind of organization doing on the ground. Um, organizing an agitation and education, and in the political education or, or reading group of that party, uh, you are reading these works, and we can be another input, another point of context for you. Uh, save that, uh, if we are the reading group, because say the political education, um, or the reading group is doing another work, maybe a short, shorter work or work more pertinent to what you're doing in that organization great we're happy to be the reading group that's why we started recording this Um, and save for that uh, if it's a work like this where we're basically reading it word for word and we're an ebook with with more input or if it's it's a book that we summarize uh, whatever it is we just want to make sure this theory is more accessible to you and make sure you're equipped with it when you go out and you put it to work which is is praxis is organization is agitation it's feeding it's making sure people can sustain feeding it's it's uh, working with the houseless we're going to be oppressed it's doing strikes All of that stuff, anything you're doing with these parties, um, we want to make sure that theory is guiding you in everything you do. Otherwise, it's misguided and it's rudderless and it's easily co-opted. And, of course, without doing any of that stuff, if you're not actually out there working and organizing and and educating uh, and doing the praxis, theory is useless. Praxis is theory and action. They go together. They are tied at the hip
0: amen that being said this has been mark's madness pod we will talk to you all next week my name is nathan my name's david bye, bye. bye.